Good morning. I'm Carrie Jenkins. I'm a part of the teaching team here at Putt Park. And like Holly said, um, we are in the second week of Lent. As Allie mentioned last week, Lent is a season of repentance. Not repentance in this idea that we have morphed it into where repentance is all about shame and turning our head away but and turning around and asking for forgiveness. But, but repentance is a turning around, turning from that which brings death towards that which brings life. I heard someone describe repentance this way, and I love this picture of it, as if you were being led down a hallway and someone says, oh, look in here, and you turn into the room, and it is this giant banquet room that's one of the most beautiful rooms that has been set for you. This is what repentance is. It is a turning from that which is death towards that which brings life. Repentance is actually really good news, and it should cause us to um, get excited instead of feel fear whenever we hear that word. So um, if you see someone with a sign that says, repent for the kingdom of God is here, we should be very excited because that is good news. (laughs) They may have misinterpreted that idea, but for, for us, it is this beautiful idea of turning from that which brings death self-sourcing, towards turning towards life, I'm sourced by my good shepherd. And um, we will see these things throughout the entirety of the story of the wilderness. A turning from what Allie talked about, Walter Brueggemann's idea of the kingdom of empire towards the kingdom of our good shepherd, the kingdom of Shalom. The kingdom of empire is, the, is this way that we hold ourselves that says, I am in charge of my own. I will get my own. I am the source of my own. The kingdom of shalom is, I belong to the good shepherd. I have everything I need. The wilderness is both as it is also a time. It is both a place and a time. In scripture, is this word midvar? Twice. It isn't midvar, midvar. <laughs> it's just midvar. <laughs> and um, and the word does mean It also means to speak. It means the origin of speech or to speak. So whenever you see in scripture. The Israelites or God mentioning a meeting with someone in the wilderness, we need to pay attention because there's something that is going to be said that is important. We pay attention. Part of this Lenten journey is is this realization that we belong to a story that is bigger than our own. And we belong to a good shepherd who sources us with all that we need. And he desires to speak to us. He has something to say to us. And so as we listen to the stories of the wilderness, I want us to pay attention in two ways. We're going to pay attention to the story itself, but also the story we find ourselves in. Scripture is is both a story of actual events and also it is a story that we can each find our own self in. 
And when we're able to identify ourselves within the story, we may begin to be formed. We hear. So as we encounter Moses today in the wilderness, I, we're going to pause a couple times and I'm going to ask a question for us to consider where we might be experiencing something similar in our own lives. So be ready to be reflective internally. <laughs> um, I, oh, excuse me. Today we are going to meet Moses in the wilderness. We are going to meet him um, as he, uh, as he has a meeting with God. But before we get to this exact moment with Moses, to hear a little bit about his story. So Moses, up to this point, Moses was a Hebrew baby who was, um, was rescued by being placed into a, a basket, it says, was, uh, I want to say shimmied. He wasn't shimmied. I don't know the right word, but he was floated down a river where he was, um, where he was met by Pharaoh's daughter. Pharaoh's daughter drew him out of the water, which Moses' um, name actually means to draw out um, in Hebrew. So he was drawn out of the water, and he was brought up in the house of Pharaoh. That means Moses was formed by Pharaoh. He was formed by Pharaoh. As an adult, um, we he begins to realize that he is not an Egyptian, but he is a Hebrew. When he sees one of his own being mistreated by an Egyptian, um, he takes matters into his own hands and he kills the Egyptian who is mistreating the Hebrew. This is our first place of pause. Is there a place in your life where you tend to take matters into your own hands? Is there a place in your life where you tend to take matters into your own hands? Let's just take a little bit and pay attention. Take note of where you easily desire to act upon your own will, your own sourcing. If you need to jot it down to hold on to it, um, we are going to revisit that in a little bit. When Moses realizes that he had been seen, that he had been found out, that someone had, had actually seen him kill the Egyptian and bury him, he fled. I don't know about you, but there are times in my life where I take matters into my own hands. It doesn't go well, and all I want to do is hide. Maybe make a mental note here. This is, again, Moses' story. It is also our story. Where in your life, take note, where in your life have you had an experience where you took matters into your own hands 
And then the result of it caused you to hide. And Moses flees. Where does he flee? He flees to Midian. Where is Midian? It is in the wilderness. This is our first clue that there's something that God is wanting to do within Moses. Moses then spends the next 40 years. That number is important. 40 years he spends in the wilderness where he gets married. He becomes a shepherd. And he, um, he lives amongst a different people. So at this point in time in the story, Moses had, um, he was formed in the house of Pharaoh. He was brought into the wilderness, and he is beginning to be formed by his season of the wilderness. In this same time period, Pharaoh dies. The Israelites are groaning for their enslavement and their mistreatment. And this is the moment where we find ourselves today with Moses. Over the next few weeks of Lent, we're going to be looking at different moments in the wilderness. Today, we're going to begin um, with Moses in um, Exodus chapter 3. If you want to get the Pew Bible out, feel free to do so. Um, We are going to, Exodus is the second book of the Bible, so it's at the very, kind of towards the beginning, and we're looking at chapter And we're beginning with verses 1 through 3. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he had led the flock to the far side of the wilderness. I really wanted something cool to be there in the far side. It just means deeper back. (laughs) It wasn't as cool as I was hoping. (laughs) Literally just means the far side of the wilderness. Um, And he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire within a bush. Moses saw that the bush was on fire, but it did not burn. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why does this bush not burn up? Um, If you notice his words were not, why is this bush on fire? It's why does this bush not burn up? So a little side. Um, there's a plant that grows in North Africa called the um, Dictamus albus. It sounds like a Harry Potter character. <laughs> that, um, that actually spontaneously combusts. And it will catch on fire. And that is how it seeds and reproduces. Isn't that a beautiful image? So Moses has now been formed by the wilderness. He's probably seen this bush spontaneously combust before. So our response if we saw a bush on fire in the wilderness would be, um, how did this happen? Who struck it by lightning? Who set it on fire? His was, wait a minute, that bush isn't on fire. There's something else happening. He had to know the wilderness to see that the bush itself was not on fire. He was paying attention. He knew the wilderness in such a way that when he saw that the bush was not being consumed, he moved towards it. Okay, we're going to have a little moment of pause. I want you to pay attention 
within yourself? Is there a time in your life where something ordinary felt extraordinary? Like there was something else going on within the ordinary of the moment. It's okay if something doesn't come up. But as we learn and we pay attention, our vision begins to change and we see differently. Moses saw something unusual about the usual. And God saw Moses notice. And he spoke to Moses. I'm going to read from um, Exodus chapter 3, starting with verse 7. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and bring them to the land, into a, bring them from that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now, go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, Israelites, out of Egypt. I am sending you, God says to Moses. And Moses' response here indicates that though he has left Egypt, not all of Egypt has left him. Because his response was, um, who am I? He went back to his sourcing that he knew when he was in Egypt. He understood um, that this was about him. Who am I? He missed the whole point that God said, I have seen, I have compassion, I have heard, and I'm sending rescue to my people, and I am doing it through you. And Moses' response is, who am I that this could happen? So before Moses could lead the Israelites out of Egypt, I think that God wanted to expose the Egypt that was still inside of him. He wanted Moses to see that, he, all, that the way of empire was still within him. The way of self-sufficiency was still alive and well even though it was caveated in this beautiful truth about the good shepherd. I see, I have compassion, I hear, I move towards, I'm sending you. Moses went to self-sourcing. And he, um, I love that God meets our doubt with um, not shame, but he wants us then to see. God is a really good spiritual director. <laughs> so he asks a question. Whenever God asks a question in scripture, it becomes very important to pay attention again because something else is going on. God isn't asking the question for information. He is asking the question for the 
for Moses in this particular circumstance, he's asking a question for Moses to see. And he says to Moses, what is in your hand? That is a very strange question in response to Moses' fear about not being able to lead his people out and all of his doubts. Um, this, is, this is how this goes. God is, God is wanting Moses like have a little Lenten experience where he is becoming honest with what is true and what he sees. What is in your hand? This is the first question of the wilderness, and it is a question that is for us today, too. What is in your hand? And Moses says, my staff. It, it is an easily, it's just an easy question. I have a staff in my hand. Well, the staff, staff there in Hebrew means two things. It means staff, it also means tribe or people. So I hold within my hand my staff. And um, if you are an artist and you paint and, and you become one with your, your identity begins to get wrapped up in how you perform as an artist, what is in your hand? A paintbrush. If you are what is in your hand? Numbers. If you are um, known for a particular part of your gifting or personality, what is in your hand? And you say, oh, my really charming personality. <laughs> my, my ability to be wise. Fill in the blank. What is in your hand? God was getting at something for Moses here. He wanted Moses to see. He wanted Moses to see what was really in his hand. Throw it down, he says. Moses throws down his, he releases it, and it immediately turns into a snake. As a kid, I thought this was the weirdest story ever. I'm like, this God is strange. Like, Moses is saying, I'm afraid I don't want to lead people out of Egypt, and you turn a staff into a snake? Like, you're just weird. And I didn't understand it. I didn't understand what was happening here. And, um, and then God tells Moses to pick it back up again. And pick it back up again, not at its head, but pick it up by the tail, the most dangerous part. You aren't supposed to pick snakes up by the tail because they can bite you. I just think you shouldn't pick up snakes ever. Except when I was a kid, I picked up a lot of snakes in Nebraska. saw that what he thought was sourcing him with life was actually the thing that was destructive to his life. His ability to be a shepherd, his ability, his family, his origin, his work, his vocation, his protection, all these things that a staff can represent to a shepherd, it had gotten disoriented and it had become a source for Moses. This part of Egypt had not yet left him. He was still holding on to it. What is in your hand? Throw it down. And Moses saw what was in his hand become something destructive. It is at this point 
that Moses picks it back up and it becomes again a staff. And, and at is the God who saw Moses, the God who wanted Moses to be able to see, um, doesn't strip him of his call or his gifting or his work or his vocation. He reorients his relationship to it. I am the source. I am the good shepherd, and I am sending you. All of the signs and the wonders that happened with Moses and Pharaoh over the next few um, moments in Scripture in the story of Israel and Egypt were sourced not by Moses, but by the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd wanted Moses to see that he was not sourced by himself alone. He was sourced by the very source of life. I am the good shepherd. God wants Moses to know that he is all Moses needs. God is all Moses needs. We're going to go back and read um, these verses again in, um, in Exodus 3, where God first invites Moses to participate in this part of his mission And the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out um, because of their slave drivers. I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and bring them out to the land that is a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people the Israelites, out of Egypt. Those are the words of a good shepherd. I have seen. I have heard. I'm concerned. I have come. I am sending you. Moses at no point was being sent alone. And God wanted him to see that. God wanted him to see that he is the good shepherd. He is the source, and he will source Moses the entire way. Moses continued to get a little feisty. He, was, he had some deeply embedded self-sufficiency that led to great self-doubt and inadequacy. So even the Lord, though the Lord got a little irritated by it, he's like, I will give you your brother. I will speak through Aaron. You do not go alone. I am with you, but I'm going to give you this. I'm going to give you this too. I'm going to give you this too. Moses' posture, um, Egypt that was still inside, was revealed by the invitation to participate with God. And instead of God being angry with him or saying, oh, you're disobedient, God showed Moses where he had outsourced himself to something other than God. And God wanted to reorient him back again. 
He wanted him to return. He wanted him to repent. I am sending you. What if you come to trust that is in your hand? Where is the place where you are tempted to take matters into your own hands? Take a moment and pause and ask Jesus, our good shepherd, what he would like to speak to you about those things. What does God promise of himself to you even in those things? I see you. I hear you. I have compassion and I'm concerned for you. I'm moving towards you. I'm sourcing you. You are not alone. I am your good shepherd. You have everything you need. Our sourcing matters. What we source our life with matters. It leads to either anxiety or a desire for a power, control, or it leads us to our good shepherd who tells us you have everything you need. You have everything you need. Before Moses could lead the Israelites out of Egypt, God wanted to show Moses where Egypt was still inside of him. As we move through the next weeks of Lent, we are going to see how the same God desires to do that, not just for the individual of Moses, but for the corporate of a people. And pay attention. It is not just a story that took place within history. It is a story that is taking place within you. One part of ourselves in the story of history, one part of ourselves in our own story. As we hear, as we listen, as we too are invited to see where we have taken matters into our own hands, where we have sourced ourselves and where we are being invited to turn around, get honest, and to see the God who sees, who hears, who has compassion, who is concerned for, who comes towards and is with you. My morning started with my dog running away. And um, to be real honest, it just threw me for a whole thing. And I... um, I, you can't force a dog to come home. <laughs> and so I am needing to be here while my dog is deciding she needed to be somewhere else. And I'm like, I cannot take this matter into my own hands. And so um, I, I am I'm very, um, 
this is my motion that I have a word and I don't know what it is. Um, so whenever you see me speak and I'm doing this, it's a clue. Carrie has something happening. Um, it, I, I have this incessant need to be able to embody that which, which I'm teaching. I do not like to speak something because it's an idea. It has to be something that I am experiencing or living in. And so this morning was a really fun invitation for me to be like, I want to source this situation. I want to get this dog into my house and I want to be where I'm supposed to be. And I could not do it. So I was like, I'm going to, I, instead of chasing after and running and making it worse, I'm going to go home. I'm going to um, finish my notes well, or look over them. And um, I'm going to wait and I'm going to ask God to bring that little animal back. And, um, and before too long, she just bound right in. And she looked like the happiest creature that nothing happened to her at all. And, um, and I, was, I was like, I'm so glad you're home and I'm so glad you're safe. And I instantaneously felt like I wanted to burst into tears and yell at the same time. And, um, and I'm like, oh, yeah, this is the constant battle that we have in things as simple as a dog running away things that are out of our control and things that places in our life that feel much worse, whether it's our marriage, it is a desire, whether it is a friendship that's gone awry, a work situation, a health situation. What is in our hands that we so badly want to take hold of to source us? The kindness of God wants us to see is that which we're sourcing ourselves by actually going to lead towards life or is it a little bit of Egypt still left within us what is in your hand the Lord sees you the Lord hears you the Lord has compassion on you he is kind he moves towards you he is with you And it's okay to let go and to trust him with the outcome. He's everything you need. God, thank you that your goodness is made, seen to us in your story. Thank you that the story of scripture tells us about who we are and who you are. And I pray that we would leave here a little bit more honest and aware, and that we receive the God who sees, the God who is I am, and the God who is with us. Amen.